Okay, so uh, a very good morning again, and thanks for everybody for, for joining us on, on our weekly uh, Arcade and Podcast. Um, again, um, I've just got uh, the two guys joining with me here this morning. And what the main topic of today is going to be talking about is responsible gaming. We're going to be talking about it from our perspective and how we see it as a company. Um, and we're also going to be getting insight into the sort of wider industry as well from the guys. So we're looking forward to hearing from them. So if you just introduce yourself, guys, just to the audience, if you would. Yep, I'm Philip Douglas, Director of Gaming at Arcadum. My name is Christian Hellman, and I'm Director of Commercials at Arcadum. Thanks very much again for joining us, guys, as well. So let's just move on and, and, and just dive straight into the first question. And again, feel free to, to jump in either one of you whenever you want to. Talk a little bit more about sort of responsible gaming and how responsible gaming right now affects Arcadum. I mean, responsible gaming, not just it doesn't only affect Arcadum, it affects you know, the entire industry and it has done for quite a long time. It's about taking everything from the player's perspective and making them feel safe while they're playing these games and ensuring that you know, the features are there that makes them feel safe, you know, not just from the provider level, from the casino level, and even outside the industry, you know, with the charities that support people um, going through you know, some hard times. You know, addiction, unfortunately, is a thing and we never want players to you know, go through that. But you know, if they are going through that, we want to be able to, you know, point them in the right direction for support. If they visit the Arcadium site, and that's why we have the responsible gambling links at the bottom of our pages. But it's also the fact that we have the features in place within our games to help the customer with responsible gambling features, which is part of our GUI. It's very important for us as a company, Arcadium, to to make sure the players are protected. Um, they enjoy our games. Uh, we never want anybody to end up in a situation where it becomes a problem. That's why we are, as Philip said, we are very um, focused on, on um, the responsible gaming aspect with our games, the same as the site with um, the game care and, and, and the different uh, helplines available. So I suppose really, and, and for the wider audience as well, because this would be really good for them to know, why now? You know, why has you know, responsible gaming really sort of come to the forefront of the conversation in the gaming industry right now? I think it's more to do with technology and the evolving perceptions of public image. I mean, when I was a child, indeed growing up in the UK, you know, the UK's, you know, has a very gambling culture. It's, you know, everyone wants to go on the Grand National and they have like, you know, sweepstakes and everything. When I was younger, I would go to, you know, horse racing tracks or dog tracks with the family just to, you know, enjoy the, you know, day out. And unfortunately that was around 1998 when I was six years old. And responsible gambling wasn't a thing um, in the UK, you know, perception-wise, um, I could actually place a bet myself back in the day, but in the early 2000s, BKGC came around and then perception started to get a lot more to being you know, underage gambling, you know, we don't want that anymore, and it started to progress into what we know today. So, I mean, responsible gambling you know, has been an evolving process for over 20 years now. It's a good thing at the end of the day, but I feel it's the public perception and you know, the industry perception and technology that changed to be able to make available to people these tools, because before, you know, in the early late 90s, sorry, in the early 2000s, technology wasn't there to enable these tools because everything was still relatively new on the online sphere. And now with the tools being enabled and the perception changing and current, even current times, you know, even more so, it's become a prevalent thing and it's, it's a good thing to happen. I fully agree, Philip, there to follow his as well. It, it's, it has become more a priority moving forward and that's with, as well with the online gaming industry growing. Uh, players have more easy access to online games and this and that's why it's very important for us as an industry to come together and protect the vulnerable people that might have a problem. So you think then and again taking both of your sort of points of view there right if, if we say 
you know, over the last 20 years, it's evolved. Do we think then it, it will continue to evolve and it will continue to be trying to sort of look out for the sort of vulnerable people that would be potentially uh, in the loopholes? Or do you think it will just become once COVID-19 is finished, everybody goes back to normal life and normal life continues? Is it become, will it ever become more of an afterthought or do you think it's um, here to stay? No, not really, because when, I mean, when I was a support agent going back five, six years ago now, it was very much drilled into me, responsible gambling, you know, you have those chats with players. And I'm going to be honest with you, having a responsible gambling chat with someone is one of the most difficult things you can do in gambling, because everyone takes gambling, you know, their own gambling personally. So it's a very hard chat to have because you have to, have, you know, get to know them a little bit on a personal level and then you start going into that kind of chat. But again, if you go really direct and sometimes you had to, people get super offended and, you know, react very, you know, sometimes nastily because, yeah, they may have a problem, don't get me wrong, but it's very difficult to talk about that. So it's not been a thing just for COVID. COVID has had some reactive changes, don't get me wrong, but responsible gambling has been more a forefront in the industry for a very long time now. Um, it's just becoming more prevalent recently because unfortunately, um, as I mentioned, you know, previously the, when I was a child, responsible gambling in terms of underage gambling wasn't massively enforced um, in, you know, the 90s, 80s, 70s, etc. But now, you know, 2000s onwards, you know, it's very much in the gambling sphere. Unfortunately, video gaming industry at the moment um, is actually where the gambling industry was 20 years ago, where underage gambling is actually really prevalent. And that's where the really bad public perception of gambling coming at the moment, because we have unfortunately kids, uh, children gambling on video games, uh, buying loot boxes and uh, booster packs. And as far as I'm concerned, and as far as you know, a lot of their parents are concerned, they're actually gambling because you know they've got a chance to get this super card or super thing in game and because it's very difficult to regulate the video game industry because it's not part of the gambling sphere it's actually negatively affecting you know all the good work we're doing within the gambling industry unfortunately this is definitely not something that would pass i think it's something that would actually um accelerate uh, the whole COVID situation obviously has put a little bit of a extra focus on it but going back before the COVID crisis started there was one big tier one operator who started going out. Uh, they were the first ones to go out to set a maximum loss limit per year to protect the players. So there is these companies that are in the forefront. So I think we will see more responsible gaming. It's just about getting the recipe right, so to say. Uh, the combination of regulation, the combination of, of tools to help them um, and, and moving forward. It, it, that's the main thing now, to get it right uh, and make sure that everybody's protected from every, every direction. Yeah. How do we as a company, there's lots of steps that we can take and obviously the, there's guidelines and the restrictions and so on and so forth. What steps and additional steps do we see Arcadum taking, you know, with our games and what we try and do over the next couple of years as we grow as a company? What steps can we do to help that as well? With the regulations, you know, they're not in my forefront of my mind because it's different for every single market. So what we like to do with our games, especially with our with our user interface, uh, the GUI, we like to basically make the tools available and it can be you know switched on and off depending on you know someone's preferences or you know if they need changing or do you need updating but we like to have our GUI ahead of the times you know we like to give a reality check to the player we say you know there's a loss limit in there that you know if you lose this much when you're spinning the game loss you know to stop you set that option or you know we can set you know like a win or you know stop with a feature it's about making things reactive and on the mobile version of our GUI as well it's very much if the player wants to change the bet, if they want to change the auto play or anything like that, it will cover the entire screen on the mobile. So the player has to pause for thought 
about what they're actually doing. And sometimes that's all a player needs. I was always taught sometimes a player just needs to have a few seconds to think. And then they think, okay, I might click on this bet and it's better for me, you know, the lower bet. Or, you know what, I'm actually, I'm, I'm up at the moment, I want to leave, or I've, I've, I've lost a bit too much, I want to leave. It's just giving them that pulse of thought. And I think that's a critical thing. It's such a simple thing we can do, but it makes a massive impact on the players, you know, kind of perception of what they're doing. Just giving them that little break from the screen. And does that come then from the physical design? So when we're sitting down, and again, I know we briefly touched on it last week about how we're going about creating and designing games in itself. Does a lot of that making sure we are being responsible gaming, giving people that pause, come from the fact that we are building games in such a way that we're going to allow it for user experience just as much as we are for responsible gaming as well? Before even we started designing the games, you know, as you know, we have a lot of games in our roadmap, uh, different themes and everything. We actually designed the GUI first and we designed this user experience first because we wanted to make sure that we had a proper user interface from our second game onwards, you'd love, to make sure that customers have this, you know, kind of pause of thought. And then it becomes kind of a basic skeleton then for the rest of our games. And then you start thinking about, you know, the design and themes for all the games because you've already got this perfect skeleton that you can change modules on, but at the base of this thing will never change. It will only change to update for, you know, different regulatory markets, which we've made very flexible in our code. So for instance, with the new Germany regulations about a five second spin rule, we've made sure that for Germany customers that it's very flexible forward that. But if another regulator wants to follow suit, we would also, you know, be able to do reactively to change that. Not, you know, we're kind of proactive already. We're not kind of, you know, rushing and panicking. We've already thought about these changes well in advance and make sure it's there from day one. I suppose that was going to be one of my questions actually was, you know, have we come across cases that we actually need to be reactive to and be prepared for even before the game hits the market in terms of design and preparation for it? Um, not really, because we always think about everything beforehand. So. Cool. We look at you know different regulatory bodies like there's for instance for the UK and a lot of the other markets you cannot appeal to children so our artwork is you know very adult themed it's in, in not in a you know a lewd way it's very adult themed you know you look at our artwork and you, and you think yep that's never aimed at ch children unfortunately there is some um, images out there that you know do relate to children and then they have been taken down but we would never market towards that theme. You know, we're looking for people who are 18 plus, you know, over, you know, people who should be gambling, not, not underage gamblers. And that's always in our forefront. So, you know, we'll never have to change the artwork for that reason, or we'll never have to, you know, change the sound for that or the mechanics because we'll never appeal to that kind of market. Unfortunately, as I said, with the video game industry, it's a bit more difficult. You know, they have the loot boxes and a lot of that content does appeal to children. And it is impacting the gambling industry because people class that as gambling and so do I but it's very hard to regulate that. And I think that's where a lot of the negative press is coming from um, in regards to that. But providers in general in, within the gambling industry, we, none of us really appeal to children. We always want to appeal to an adult audience. And I think that's industry-wide as well, especially with the casinos as well. And do we see then potentially then the gaming industry and the gambling industry almost merging into one industry over time to make sure that we are actually safeguarding the younger generation? I feel there is, it's up to a regulatory body or government bodies to do that because the gambling industry can turn around and say to the you know the video game industry we want to impose these rules upon you but we can't force them um, you know we're regulated and we're regulated for a reason but the video game industry is not regulated and it's something they don't have to do and considering how much money some of these games make with these loot boxes you know it's difficult for us to turn around and be like yeah can you change this to make it you know to help us because at the end of the day would the company really care um so I think it has to come from a, a regulatory standpoint or a government standpoint 
someone has to kind of enforce these changes, but the gambling industry can't because it's not it's not our product. You know, we can't turn around and enforce other industries to do, you know, what we do and they can't do the same to us. But we're very regulated and we're very focusing on that responsible gambling experience for players. And I think Christian can kind of, you know, discuss a bit more as well on that. From a commercial side, um, this video, the video game industry, that they uh, are not regulated because they're normally in, in different, the company is normally registered in different areas. Um, whereas we as, as gaming companies, we're registered in all the territories we operate in which means that we have a local license from example Sweden, UK, Denmark, Spain, etc. All of the regulated markets we, we have a license for. Uh, we make sure that we abide by the regulations for there, uh, for every market. And we also add extra responsible gaming tools to our games, even though they might not be necess necessary for that particular uh, regulatory ju jurisdiction. And this is something that the game provider can make a decision on. Uh, but we always try to push it. So the main kicker here is to get the, game, the video game industry as well to be country regulated, which will be hard moving forward because many of these games have one big office in countries that not really are regulated in the same way. Um, so, so, so to answer your question, I think it's going to be very hard to, to merge the two. Uh, I would personally like to see it in the future because I think um, both industries correlate very well. It's entertainment at the end of the day. Uh, and we should all take our responsibility and make sure that everybody we uh, provide our product to are safe uh, and are, are using it in the correct way, that the way that we designed it to be used. Awesome. As always, gentlemen, thanks very much for, uh, for taking the time. Um, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week on the next episode. Welcome. Have a good day, guys. Brilliant. Thanks, everybody. Thank you very much, Cheers. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.